0: Welcome to the Fertile Bloom Podcast. My name is Holly, and I'm the owner of Rosebud Wellness, which is a women's holistic health practice in Southern California. In my practice, I use acupuncture, yoni steaming, abdominal massage, and the fertility awareness method to support women on their conception journey. In this podcast, I will be sharing about some of the practices and tools that I use in my practice, and also will be interviewing women about their own personal fertility journey, as well as other professionals in the fertility space. Thanks so much for listening. Please enjoy. If you're actively trying to conceive right now, or will be sometime in the next couple of years, then I have a very exciting offering for you. So I have a self-study course, which is called conscious conception with fertility awareness. And in this course, we go through everything that you need to know about consciously conceiving your baby. So we start off by making sure that we are laying the foundations of really understanding the menstrual cycle and how the anatomy and physiology in a female body works, because this is all really important background information for understanding how your fertility works. So then we talk about ways in which you can prepare your body for pregnancy. So if you've been on hormonal birth control, there's some information on how to optimize your fertility after coming off of hormonal birth control, how long to give yourself before trying to conceive after you stop taking birth control. Um, Then we talk about preconception nutrition, so the nutrients that are really essential in the preconception phase, so the three to six months before conception, and that will then lead to a healthier pregnancy and postpartum phase as well. And then we talk about the menstrual cycle and the ways in which as a fertility awareness educator, the ways in which I look at the cycle and assess the cycle and how that might reflect a woman's fertility and her ability to become pregnant. We talk a lot about the diet and lifestyle methods to incorporate in order to have healthy hormones and more optimal fertility. And then of course we break down all of the aspects of the fertility awareness method in a really specific way. So I am going to teach you how to track and chart all of the aspects of fertility awareness, which include basal body temperature, cervical mucus, and cervical position in a really, really specific way organized way so that you make sure that you're getting the most accurate information every single cycle. And then we make sure that you really understand how to identify when and if you are ovulating with the cross check method, which means that you're comparing basal body temperature to cervical mucus, and it's all described in that lesson. And then we bring everything together in order to get it all onto a chart. So I provide you in the course with a template that you can put into the app that I recommend And that will help you to make sure that you get all of the information that you have been taught into your actual actual chart. So it's not that you're just theoretically collecting all of this data and then just kind of having it in the back of your mind and then probably forgetting about it. You're putting everything down onto your chart so that you can then analyze it at the end of that cycle. And then we talk about ways to optimize your chances of conception. So timing is really important. Sperm and egg quality are also really important. And then also other ways that you can optimize your fertility outside of just the fertility awareness method and supplementation and diet and lifestyle. Um, Some of the holistic treatment modalities that I offer, for example, so acupuncture, abdominal massage, and uh, yoni steaming, moxibustion, Chinese herbal medicine. These are all things that I share about. And then i also provide you with links of ways that you can find a provider in your area if you are not local to me and it may seem a little strange but i also include a module on the postpartum phase in this course and the reason for that is because after you have your baby a lot of women just don't even really think about the fertility awareness method or that they could possibly Apply it in this time period. And so it's definitely really important postpartum for assessing your overall health and your fertility. So, as your fertility is returning, then, you know, being able to prevent pregnancy for a period of time, either for spacing children or potentially for not having any more children, depending on your goals. Um, and then there is a module about preventing pregnancy. And the reason for that is because many women will be interested in stopping hormonal birth control you know, a year or two before they are actually ready to conceive, and that's actually a really good thing and uh, really great for your body. And so there will be a period of time where you need to prevent pregnancy in another way. So I like to teach women about that as part of the conception course. And then also, as I mentioned before, it's possible that you will want to know about pregnancy prevention after you have a baby, Um, to space children or to be done having children. So that is everything that's in the course. There's a link to join the course in the show notes of this episode. There's also information on my Instagram, at rosebud underscore wellness. You can find links to that. And I also have my mentorship as well, which in the course is included in that as well, um, as well as a lot of one-on-one additional sessions with me. And as part of the course, you do get one uh, one one-on-one session with me where you can pick my brain before you start or um, after you are done or sometime in the middle. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. I am here today with Laura Currens, Curren. yeah. and um, she is a pelvic floor physical therapist, and she is local to me. We live in the same town, which is super fun. And so welcome to you, Laura.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. So I'd love for you to share about the trajectory of what got you interested in working specifically in pelvic floor PT. Um, I'm imagining there's a personal story in there.
1: Yeah. So I got into pelvic health after having my babies. I have a four and six year old. I was a very sports orthopedic therapist. And then I got into pelvic floor after having my own issues, which I think is typical for a lot of pelvic health therapists, but you all of a sudden feel not like yourself. You have pain. You feel like your insides are falling out or you're having leakage, whatever's going on, um, tailbone pain. Those were kind of my, my problems, but I was determined to fix myself. And then I became really, really, really passionate and, um, have just loved working with pregnancy, postpartum and super passionate and helping women just feel like themselves again after having babies. Awesome.
0: So, was it after your first daughter that you started having issues or after the second one? Yeah, so definitely after my first. I
1: actually did fine after my second because I think I had, you know, figured out my own issues, but I realized I had issues probably all through my 20s and I just had no idea. I had urinary urgency and I just thought I had a small bladder. I was peeing all the time. I had a really hard snowboarding fall, which I contribute to probably where those issues started. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely had pelvic floor tension. I just had no idea. Mm. I just thought I had hip pain, SI joint pain. Um, I could have sworn I had a labral tear in my hip. I had no idea, but you know, I tried to treat all those things orthopedically and never got anywhere. And then I've com- like completely fixed all those things getting into the pelvic floor. Um, so it was definitely, like I said, I think I've had issues for a long, long time. And then I think childbirth just, yeah, was a lot. yeah.
0: (laughs) So did you have, you
1: had a vaginal birth with both of them? Yeah, I had two vaginal births um, with my babies. So I just got into it, you know, like I said, fixing my own issues and really made me passionate. And I realized how many people have these issues, even pre-kids through their 20s. And I actually love working with those clients as well, just with chronic pelvic pain, pain with intercourse. And it's just really inspiring to help these people get back to like everyday functions. Mm -hmm. You should be able to pee poop and have sex. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like basics that everyone should be allowed to do.
0: Well, painful sex is a topic that's close to my heart. Maybe you saw my post from the other day. So I had really bad pain with sex, like pretty much from when I started having sex when I was 15. And it I think that I kind of, it was like a combination of things, but I think I psyched myself out and started to get scared. And then that created a tension pattern kind of that kept recurring. And I also was on birth control right away. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, within, I can't even remember like the exact, it was within the same year that I start, I got my period, started having sex and went on birth right. control. Yeah. So do you see a correlation between like birth controls use either historically or currently, or like, what do you think is the main cause for most people for having like specifically pain with sex, I guess?
1: Yeah. Well, like vulvodynia, which is pain in the vulva or vestibulodynia, um, it's kind of a component of that Mm -hmm. which is just pain in the vestibule but um that can be correlated to birth control Mm -hmm. um so that can be a big driver for that which can be a big driver for pain with intercourse Mm -hmm. and then you have vaginismus which is more the spasms or tightening of the muscles um i don't know if they fully understand you know Uh, And then there's vaginismus, which is more the spasms or the tightening of the muscles vaginally, which can also be a big driver for pain with intercourse. I don't know. I have never heard of a correlation to that with birth control, more the vulvodynia. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if they really know, because like you said, there is, you know, kind of the whole mental side of it, the painful side of it. It's not just in your head. There's actually like the muscles are involuntarily tightening.
0: I mean, and every every practitioner I ever went to prior to a pelvic PT um so you know from like 15 until I was 32 it's
1: a long time I was
0: having pain and there was there was an experience I had with this one like pretty rude man that was just like how come you never have like figured out what this is like mm-hmm. this has been going on for such a long time and that's what prompted me to reach out for a pelvic PT because at the time like when I was younger, the internet wasn't a thing you know like there was just not as much information and so every gynecologist I had gone to would always tell me to like have a glass of wine or take a muscle relaxer or or, like just relax or whatever or like it would be like oh have you been sexually abused and and it made me feel like it was all in my head it's like there's no reason for this to be happening other than that I'm like doing something wrong. So, but what I've learned about birth control in particular is that it can shrink your vaginal opening and also your clitoris. Mm -hmm. And so everything is just less pleasurable, which was totally my experience on birth control. Did, were you ever on birth control? I was yeah, for a long time. And then I was just
1: over it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm you know, just going to stop. I was over it.
0: Yeah. Um, Did you have any issues after you stopped taking it?
1: I didn't actually. I didn't
0: really either. There's so many um, people that have these like really gnarly side effects with yeah. coming off of it, but. No, I felt great coming off of <laughs> it.
1: Yeah. Obviously I felt amazing. And then, you know, I didn't have any issues having my babies, luckily. Yeah. But you know, everyone's the spectrum, but it is like the things you hear with women health related things are really horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of women just get tested for SCDs STD- like a million times. And they're like, I promise I'm not 30. Like I get this all the time. And, you know, cause they've been told. Like, well, let's test you for this. Let's test you for this. And I'd like, I've freaking been
0: tested for all
1: these STDs. Mm -hmm. The cause for pain. And it's really
0: sad. Yeah. Well, I, that's funny because after I had my daughter, I started having pain with sex Mm -hmm. again. And I think there were a lot of issues, a lot of causes of that, one of which I think was hormonal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. That's where this all of this stuff is so multifaceted. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's you want to like you were saying before it's like you have these orthopedic issues like your hip. You don't really think about that being necessarily related to like maybe somebody needs to do something in your vagina to, <laughs> or your rectum. Or your yeah, rectum exactly so. to 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 you know kind of help to facilitate healing of that And so I think that we can get really compartmentalized in the way that we think about things. And that's where holistic medicine is. That's what it is really is taking the whole body into account and all of the different systems that are involved and trying to find a solution for, and a lot of times it's multiple things like there's hormonal imbalances. And especially after you come off of hormonal birth control, or if you're really nutrient depleted after pregnancy or during breastfeeding Mm -hmm. and how that impacts your uh, lubrication and your estrogen levels, there's so many, you know, and it, it can be really easy to, start to blame yourself or feel like you're doing something wrong that is creating whatever issue you're having, whether it's pain with sex or other types of pelvic pain. Um, so anyway, just to say that yeah, there's there's a big, Gaping hole in women's health for getting support around specifically around things like that, that I think doctors just don't really yeah. understand. And
1: it's this collection of practitioners that specialize in different things that working together is like the magic. I think yes. that's what I found. If it's somatic therapy, acupuncture, physical therapy, whatever, finding this like awesome combo is a lot of times needed, especially for really, really chronic you know, long-term pain situations, Um, it's not just one practitioner. And Mm -hmm. that's sometimes hard to sell. I think on people that they need to focus on their mental health, they need to focus on the physical side and the you said, the hormone component. So I really love the collection of different practitioners.
0: Um, Well, and I mean, probably you as a human can also relate to I feel that way too. It's like, you want like the thing that's Mm going to fix you. There's not, not there's not, there's (laughs) not, it's not how human bodies work, but I I Mm -hmm. do think that, you know, especially for women, like if you're in your twenties or thirties and, and you've been dealing with something for decades or a decade or decades, think unraveling what has accumulated in your system to create, to bring you to where you are and the symptoms that you're dealing with presently probably took a while. So it takes a little while to unravel that, but then once you do, it's not that you have to keep doing it forever. So that's, that's something I think that's, that's helpful for people to have in their mind that it's not that it's you're not going one thing. You're not your job is not going to be going to like all these different practitioners for the rest of your life. You yeah, know, it's
1: just a short phase of life. Everyone has we all have different micro traumas or big traumas and everyone's got their things. And mm-hmm. I think it's learning to Put all that together and find yourself again.
0: Yeah. So when, when you were navigating after your first pregnancy, it sounds like you were already a physical therapist, but we're mostly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so how did you uncover pelvic PT? Was it something that you were already aware of and then just had a stronger interest in it because you were of what you were experiencing? Yeah. yeah. So
1: I actually, yeah, it was very like sports ortho, like high level athletes. Um, and then I started a breast cancer program in San Francisco with a friend. So I kind of was getting into women's health that direction, um, mm-hmm. which is funny. It hit me, but, um, so and then I had no a lot of my friends had gone into public health but I had my kids a little later in my 30s um so I just wasn't really aware of how important it was like Mm -hmm. isn't even just treating orthopedic stuff like Mm -hmm. back and hip and SI so yeah I just really dove into it I got really into this role like abdominal I know you do abdominal massage Mm -hmm. too but I love all the abdomen component um and then just kept diving and diving in and then just screw this whole new side of myself, which is really fun because I've been a therapist for a long time. So it was fun to completely dive into something new and just pull out this passion. I didn't even know was there. Um, like you said, just women's health collectively, breast cancer, pelvic floor, like Mm -hmm. there's this whole other world of things Mm that, you know, like I said, the typical orthopedic therapist, we just don't really think about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. It's such a specialty. Do you accept insurance for your care? Do they, for pelvic PT, do they recognize it as a treatment in California? I'm not sure about how that.
1: Yeah. So there are some in-network pelvic floor therapists. Many of us choose not to be in-network just because we can then treat the way we want to and spend longer. We can spend adequate time with you. Pelvic health is really complex. And when you have 20 to 30 minutes, um, usually actually, you, you know, you might get 20 minutes with that person, um, and you're seeing multiple people at the same time, or you're like on this hustle schedule. It's really hard to dive into all the things we need to do. We need to do body work. We need to teach a lot of education. We need to adjust pelvis, pelvic floor. There's just a lot. Um, I did that for a while. I started a pelvic floor program at a in network practice and I was so burnt out and mm-hmm. so frustrated every day because I wanted to do so many more things. And I was just feeling like I wasn't getting people where I wanted to get them, which is like a hundred percent resolution, not 70%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just finding I wasn't able to do that. So it took me a long time to come to the conclusion that I needed to just create my own practice where I could treat the way I wanted to. I wasn't getting reviews every year like you spend too much time with your patients or running late. Every year I was getting that. Um so sorry, I care about people. I was just, I was just like, well, this I'm not gonna treat this is just the way I treat, but it was yeah. burning me out, honestly, too, because I was rushing, you don't have time to go to the bathroom, I'm running late all day long. You're seeing mm-hmm. 15 people a day plus. Um, and it'll really burn you out. And then after going through my own experiences and my own health, I really realized I needed to make more focus on my own health too. And that I couldn't keep that pace up.
0: Yeah, I can really relate to that. I I took insurance for a while too. And part of the reason I asked about that is because I do feel like that's a barrier for people is that they really, if they already have their medical insurance, whether it's through their job or like personal that they want to be able to utilize that. Um, so anyway, there, I guess it is, everything is a matter of like what you're prioritizing, you know, and it's, you get what you pay for Mm -hmm. really. I mean, there are some things that there are some acupuncturists that charge like way more than I think is, I mean, it's just like absurd how much Mm -hmm. they charge. So there's like that side of things. Then there's also like, you know, uh, people that take insurance are probably really burnt out and they're seeing a lot of people and they don't, they're not able to spend as much time with you. And it can be worth, if that's the only option you have, it would be better to like at least get some pelvic care but to also know the difference between mm-hmm. the di- the options of what's available and what you will be re- the kind of care that you'll be receiving I
1: recommend if some it is just not financially feasible for everyone I totally respect that and I will refer in network all the time mm-hmm. but I do that too I think it's important to understand the difference and I think a lot of people do have the finances you know we spend money on our hair we our wedding dress our weddings like everyone spends money Mm -hmm. it's just looking at your health as a top priority Mm -hmm. and that I took me a long time to really honestly for myself too until I had my own medical drama and then I was like you know I'm putting nutrition I'm putting everything else on a top priority for myself and I started paying out of pocket for a lot of my own things Mm -hmm. because I needed the care and I wanted to get better and I didn't want to go you know work with like a high school student and I didn't want to get thrown to support staff which is what happens in insurance practices because it's the only way they can afford to have you come in Yeah. So they're not getting very good reimbursement. So I think, like I said, it took me a long time just for myself to realize that as well, that my health is my priority, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to be there for my kids, to be there for my own self and to be there for other people. You can't give everyone a hundred percent when you're working with 15 people a day. There's just no way. Yeah. When you're working with five or six people a day, you can give everyone a hundred percent of your focus, your attention, and like work your hardest at getting them to their goals, whatever Mm -hmm. it is totally. And I was just felt like, that's what I want to do. And if it's not feasible for somebody, there's help out there. Like, I don't want you to think there's not help out there if it's just not financially, you know, mm-hmm. an option for you. But I think for a lot of people, they want to get better. They want to get back to running and they want to get a hundred percent. Insurance typically limits us to we're okay. <laughs> yeah. You're okay. Like you're kind of doing the thing, but you're not 100 um, a and PT does have a big part. I'm passionate about like helping people get to 100 percent And we're restricted typically with that in an insurance model. So. Yeah. But you know, I think there's pros and cons. Our health system is just challenging. Yeah. That's a whole nother topic. It is. Yeah. I I didn't
0: I didn't mean to go down that rabbit trail, but it just is something that popped into my head of yeah, that when women are contemplating like where to put their time and energy mm-hmm. in terms that's of healing.
1: Lot. Yeah.
0: And a lot of people don't know about pelvic floor PT and how, and in other countries, I'm not exactly sure where, but it is just kind of a standard of mm-hmm. postpartum care for I women. In
1: France Europe, you get like a certain amount of visits, postpartum, every yeah. woman, which is amazing. And that's what everyone should get. Cause if we fix problems early on, They don't become these long decade long issues. Like if I had seek help, when I had my first fall on my tailbone, I would never have felt like I would have dealt with all the stuff I dealt with. Totally. Yeah. Really Mm dramatic. So if we fix things right away, (laughs) it's so much better. I'm sure you find that too. If you can treat things more acutely or more efficiently, then Mm -hmm. it doesn't become these long chronic. Totally. Then the mental side of it, you know, there's just so many things that play into
0: yeah pain and
1: dysfunction
0: totally so so what were um you mentioned some of the symptoms that you were experiencing but maybe if you can just run through that what you were personally experiencing yeah. and then also maybe how you structured um with receiving care yourself like were you going every week is it like going a few times a week and then you titrate it down do you do exercises at home like how does all of that work
1: um yeah, for myself, I was just dealing with severe tailbone pain. And I'm I never really got diagnosed. My doctors weren't really helpful, but I'm confident I was having a prolapse as well because I literally felt like my insides were falling out. Oh vaginal was, or um that uh rectally. Okay. Um and then hemorrhoids, anal fissures, like it was a whole drama. And I think, you know, I think it was all connected, but um I was just in so much pain. I mean, it was debilitating. I couldn't function. And then I had gone to a course and I had to drive to LA and, um, the therapist was like, you need internal work, like you need internal rectal work. And I couldn't find anyone. So I had talked a coworker into doing a manipulation on me, um, with both of our knowledge and, um, not even joking. It was like 95% improvement in one visit. So tailbone pain, when it is actually like a tightness situation, it can also be hypermobile, which is much more challenging. But when it is truly just like a positional issue, um, I find like people can get like 90, 95% relief in like one visit or two visits. It's like amazing. Hmm. Um, But then you still have to unravel all the other issues, like, you know, the bearing down. Like There's still a lot of other issues that need to come with it. And that took me a long time just working through myself. Like, how am I exercising? Am I pushing? And how am I? um, So, but. There's a lot to it, um, but really becoming body aware is like a passion of mine. We're teaching people lifelong skills. So you it's not just like, what are you doing? Like, we don't want to just fix you now. We want to fix you for the long term. Because once you hit menopause or perimenopause, things get weaker. And if you're bearing down all the time and pushing, which a lot of us do, you're just going to set yourself up. You mean pushing
0: tissues. like when you have a bowel movement or. Yeah.
1: A lot drink? of us kind of strain, clench. A lot of us clench our abdominals, our butt muscles. And what we create is this like bear down. So we're pushing down on our, on our vaginal tissues. Mm-hmm. And when you're chronically doing that, um, you're going to lead to more prolapse issues. You're going to lead to more pain. Muscles are going to tighten up around that area. Cause you're like kind of pushing. It's kind of this weird battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um if you teach people how to be aware of those things I find it can be a game changer like just long-term health mm-hmm. you know, no matter what age you are okay. yeah you know pre-kids both kids but menopause perimenopause um so that I found was a really really big game changer for me because once you start paying attention and you realize you're constantly clenching and you're constantly bearing down you're like no wonder my tailbone hurts or no wonder my pelvic floor is staying tense because I'm force, you know, I'm putting this extra force all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at least the incontinence. And so, yeah, I struggled with my own incontinence for a long time too.
0: Was um, it mostly like stress? Like when you were jumping or coughing? Yeah, or,
1: definitely yeah. stress incontinence. Um, I still do intermittently, but I've got it like, I'd say completely managed unless I have like, you know, have a cold and I'm coughing a lot. Or mm-hmm. something. So. I think it's just important to know that there's help out there for all these things and you just don't want to make it like your new norm.
0: Mm-hmm, totally. <laughs> like, there's so no. many need
1: to make all these things like
0: tailbone pain. I can't tell you how many people are like, what's
1: tailbone pain for a decade? It's just part of me. I'm like, "Well, oh, why? You have mm-hmm. the tailbone pain. <laughs> like you don't need to just live with that.
0: Well, and I think the urinary incontinence is probably one of the most common postpartum that women just like joke about, you know, like, oh, when I sneeze, I pee or like, you know, yeah, that uh women will just wear a pad oh, or something all the rest of
1: yeah like, that's not cool who wants to wire around I mean that's not good for
0: no. in health either your no. health is yeah.
1: that there um so you know like I said as you're is prioritizing your health if these are things you find are important to you and you want to be able to run jump which was really important to me um I prioritized all that
0: yeah and then, so when, when you, were you going to see somebody or because you have this training, you were doing it to yourself?
1: After? I was kind of working on myself once I started to learn things. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, I didn't need that much internal work and a lot of people don't, I think that's sometimes a barrier too, is because people are terrified that you're just going to be up there vagina and on your rectum. Yeah but it's not something you like always need to do long-term. Like I only really had rectal work twice. Mm -hmm. And then vaginally when I took a course, you know, somebody would work on something and I'd be like, Whoa, that was a huge difference. But like in general, like it was really more, like I said, learning my body, learning my um, posture corrections, like weird things we do in every day life
0: is a lot of times the biggest part. Um, are there any, like, Sorry if I'm interrupting you, but I was like, what about like, um, there's a few things that I've learned over the years, but if there's anything that you can share about some like common misalignments or posture issues that you see, like with, you know, we're all like driving and on our computers Mm -hmm. and looking at the phone, like, are there are there things that like maybe you could share that people can be aware of across the board or is it kind of more individualized?
1: No, there's huge things leaning backwards, not Mm -hmm. getting out of those pregnancy postures. And a lot of us just do it anyway. Um, is huge because your pelvic floor can't function as well when you're constantly leaning back and your weight's on your heels. we want to have our weight in our arches. Um, that would be my number one. Number two would be a rib flare. Mm-hmm. Um, can't see that <laughs> ribs popping out um are you they like sticking out same thing kind of leading to that uh, leaning back we can't function as well when we're in those positions so those are the number two things I always correct on people first like even just right when I meet you mm-hmm. like let's get you here let's fix your ribs and then honestly that can be huge for people for
0: especially incontinence and such yeah I was struggling with um stress incontinence um when I sought out a pelvic PT I've done pelvic PT a few times throughout my life but the most recent time was after my daughter was born and I was having some stress incontinence and I went to a trampoline park mm-hmm. and I like immediately was about to be my That's pants and I was like okay I guess I need to look into this and because it hadn't really, it would be just like randomly, but then when I was doing this jumping, then yeah, I was like, okay, I got to look into something. And I would say that like probably 75% of the issue was gone just by fixing my posture with I'm not the even, two things that you yeah. just mentioned.
1: <laughs> like yeah. literally those two and not clenching. That would be number three, Okay, not clenching your butt and your upper abs, but okay. Those three things will literally take away most people, majority of people's symptoms. And then what's hard is sometimes that residual because then, like I said, we're talking about more fine detail things, mm-hmm. but those three things would be my top three things. So not yeah. clenching your butt in your house <laughs> not leaning back and checking your rib position. Yeah, those would be my top three.
0: So, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, those are really helpful. <laughs> and then, so I guess maybe you can tell us about like if a woman comes to see you, what's like your favorite time that they would come to see you? Is it during pregnancy or, I mean, probably before that, but yeah, maybe you can just talk about like how it it can be most useful in the sort of perinatal time for women to Maybe like prevent some issues postpartum mm-hmm. if they're working on it during pregnancy or you know yeah, anything no. you want to share about
1: that? It kind of depends on who who it is. Cause I do love to work with chronic pelvic pain as well, which would be a lot of times it's like early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, like what you said, like pain with intercourse and such, and endometriosis and those things, and uh, interstitial cystitis. That's a lot of times like younger twenties. But pregnancy related, I love to see people during pregnancy because if we can correct bad habits during pregnancy and teach you how to push better and. And, like you said, with acute, like all the other things, we can help prevent so many issues or at least decrease our chances of issues arising during childbirth. So, less tearing risk, less stress on our pelvic floor, just different habits. And if we can change those pastoral things so it doesn't become, like I said, these long standing issues. Um, So, really, like pregnancy is wonderful. Or, I mean, ideally before pregnancy, but I think I honestly, everyone should start this stuff. I wish I had started in my 20s like decades before I had kids just learning basics how to poop how to pee not hover, you know just basics I'm trying to teach my kids right now mm-hmm. so that's a side note but you know I think the earlier we start just teaching basic bowel and bladder habits is ideal mm-hmm. but definitely pregnancy like I said just so we can decrease the chance of high grade tears and things
0: like that and um, when in pregnancy would you start
1: I like to start as early as possible. You know, usually if there's any pain coming up, we'll start um, anywhere from,
0: you know, any time. So there's no like first trimester stay away?
1: No, because there's always some things we do. We don't do internal work during the first trimester just because nobody wants any liability risk. It's not a risk, but you know, nobody wants to be connected to anything. Mm -hmm. But other than that, you know, we'll manage anything that comes up um, if it's pubic pain, which is really common. Um, We can get on top of that stuff. I mean, usually in two visits, I feel like people are like so much better. Mm -hmm. And then we might space it out to like, you know, every three or four weeks and then, you know, manage anything that comes up. So, and then definitely for labor prep at the end and then early postpartum.
0: Um, And then postpartum, how soon would you recommend?
1: Um, we like to start at uh six six weeks um or whenever you're cleared by your medical provider because it gives us the ability to um just start like I said good habits check your abdominals how are things coming back together what is your pelvic floor doing are you doing any bad habits that's gonna make prolapse or anything weakened worse so we can start all that early on. So yeah.
0: And then yeah, do you usually recommend that people do like a series of sessions and then take a break or and yeah, how do you structure it? Is it like a once a week kind of thing or
1: yeah, usually we like once a week um for I would say for postpartum if everything's going pretty smooth it might only be, you know, five or six visits. If there is more complexity, it could be more like once a week um, for six to eight weeks. And then maybe we space it out every three or four weeks after that, when things are managing, but symptoms usually decrease in, you know, three visits, three to five visits, but the problem isn't always gone. Mm -hmm. And we, like I said, we don't want 50% improvement and then it comes back. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, like I said, habits can take three months or more to change like bad habits you might've been doing for decades and decades and decades. So Mm -hmm. It might need to get spaced out, you know, as things and people are going to have flare ups and things like that. Mm -hmm. So the quicker we can jump on it, the better. But in general, I would say like if things are going pretty smooth postpartum, I mean, it might be like five or six visits. Mm -hmm. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that much if you can learn, like I said, lifelong skills. It's kind of how I look at it.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and most I don't know how you feel about this, but most people that work in the postpartum realm one of the things I think a lot of moms don't think about is that you can bring your baby with you. Yeah. So I did, my daughter pretty much always came with me because I I do feel like for moms that can be a huge barrier of like, who do I want to leave my kid with? Do, is it worth it to like pay for childcare just for me to go like do this thing for myself and then pay more on top of that. So anybody,
1: I I have so many babies. Um, you know, some people bring their their partner or a friend to watch their child while they're in their session, whatever somebody's comfort level is. I've had everything from babies, toddlers, kids. Um, it's not a problem at all. We work around. And honestly, that's real life. So mm-hmm. carrying your baby, like I said, and working on um, positional things is all part of it. So, um, yeah, we definitely don't want that to be a barrier
0: yeah. as well. Yeah. So. Okay, well, yeah. uh, Any, uh, anything uh, else that you'd uh, like to share that I haven't asked you about? Yeah, uh,
1: well, I'm a breast cancer survivor, so I had postpartum breast cancer. So that's another topic, but I, am, I just think it's important to be checking your body for changes. So there is something pregnancy-associated breast cancer, which is getting breast cancer during pregnancy or in the first year postpartum. My daughter was 10 months old, so I was kind of towards the end of that but checking for clogged milk ducts, um, chronic mastitis, kind of like a, you know, an itchy sensation, nerve stuff, changes to the texture of your breast. But I think it's just really important that we're paying attention to our body. Most of us are pretty in tune with our body when we're breastfeeding, but we don't think of, you know, small little rare things. It's not a lot of people, but there is
0: A big chunk of us out there that fall in this
1: category. I've
0: never heard of that before. Yeah. It's because of the high estrogen levels during pregnancy or what is it? I know.
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot of changes happening in your breast. So if there's one bad cell in there, you know, your breast is rapidly dividing. It's not really like a, they don't really fully understand it. Yeah. It's just called, you know, so it's just this classification of breast cancer. It's typically, I think the median age group is, I think I saw 34.9. I was 35 when that Mm -hmm. happened to me with my second. Um, and there's a few risk factors having your child later, but really I, you know, I didn't have breast cancer in my family. So I would just say it's important to make sure you're monitoring your breasts. And when you have clogged ducts that aren't going away, or like I said, it's chronic mastitis, those are two risk factors that maybe there's something else going on. So not to scare anyone, like I said, it is rare, but it tends to be more aggressive cancers and you really want to
0: be on it and get treatment. Yeah. Thank um, you for sharing yeah. about that. I had forgotten that part of your story, so I appreciate you bringing that in. Yeah. Um so, yeah, so I'm I, talking about hormone changes, and it's yeah. all your
1: hormones when you go through all that. So, yeah. Um working with acupuncture actually. I started doing that actually recently, um just trying a few sessions uh because I had chemo and all those things. But I think like I said, working acupuncture and hormones can be a it does affect your hormones when you go through chemo or hormone blockers and all these treatments so mm-hmm. yeah so just keeping an eye out for your body yeah Changes, yeah pelvic health wise breast health um you know all those things I think it's really important
0: yeah it's I mean I don't I'm think everybody's experience is a little bit different but I know for me <laughs> my daughter's nursing right now for those <laughs> of you that don't see us but like your body kind of doesn't feel like your own anymore you know Mm -hmm. it feels kind of it can I definitely have moments where I feel kind of disconnected um, from my body being mine so it's it's just so important to yeah take time take pockets of time whenever you can to drop into your body and Mm -hmm. feel around and see what's going on
1: yeah 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 so yeah, just a small little clogged up and then I fell in every little small tiny category after that, like I said, which you wouldn't expect for your mm-hmm. life. But it does, positive note is it does make you look at your own life and realize what's important to you and uh, like I said, your health mm-hmm. <laughs> is really important and your kids and your family and your, you know, your own goals. So, yeah. yeah, I think not losing yourself as a mom and just sucking up all these terrible symptoms is not... Necessary. You can feel like yourself and feel like a human too,
0: and be uh, a good mom. and be a good mom. <laughs> so all those things. <laughs> um. So I'd love for you to share about where people can find you. Um. On Instagram, social media, in person, all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So my company is Dynamic Flow Physical Therapy. I'm located in Ventura, California, and then do some home visits in Ohio as well. Uh, since I live up towards here. But you can find me at dynamicflowpt.com or my Instagram social media is dynamicflowphysicaltherapy. Physical Therapy. Um, And I try to share a lot of helpful tips and all the things to help you, you know, give out free resources. I like to do workshops. So I definitely like to get really involved in the community because I do understand costs can be prohibitive for people. So that's kind of my part and it's important to me is to try to share and just like I said educate everyone.
0: So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody that you think might benefit from hearing some of the information that was shared here today. If you're interested in finding more about me, you can find me on my website at rosebudwellness.com on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness or on Facebook at the Rosebud Wellness Community. Also, if you're feeling called to leave a a rating or writing a review, that would be amazing. It really helps to get the podcast out to more listeners. Thanks so much for listening and until next time.